You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. As you know, we are at the very end of our study on the names of God. I hope this series has been challenging for you. I hope it's been refreshing for you uh, as we've looked at so many different ways, so many different titles, names that God has revealed about his personhood, about his characteristics to people like us over the years through his word. This, and the main point, in case you haven't heard me say this before, the main point through this entire study is our God, our Father, wants to be known and wants to know you in a deep relationship, in a personal friendship, and has gone to great lengths to make that happen through not only revealing himself, but also through his son. And I hope that brings you comfort. Today we're looking at another complex name. Uh, it's not what you think. It's not complex because it's complicated. It's actually very simple. Uh, but it has several different nuances to it that maybe you haven't thought about before if you've seen it in the Bible. Uh, and so, it's actually one of the ones that are easier to understand. So let's look at our passage for the day. Uh, as we said, we're going to look at um, just this one verse today. This is, uh, and Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he has just gone there to pray, knowing that he's going to his death. He's asked the disciples to go there with him because he felt pretty lonely at the time. They all fell asleep on him uh, to the point where it was just, he alone in the garden with God. And this is really the backdrop for this passage today. And then he, naming Jesus, he said, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, again, uh, open our eyes to see what you would have us to see today. Open our hearts, open our ears as we talked about before. Uh, may we understand the depth of who you are. May we understand the relationship that your son had with you, that he wants us to have with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been discussing the names of God over the last 10 weeks, but this is different. This is really not a name that you see in the Bible that people are calling God. This is a name that Jesus calls his father, his very own name, his very own son of uh, Jesus called him, which is very personal, so personal, like the name Daddy is what this is when he says Abba here. Uh, my brothers and I still call my dad Daddy, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Two grown men calling their dad Daddy. Uh, and, you know, especially my brother, here he is. He's been on the farm for years. His arms are big around as my thighs. You know, he's just a big old dude, and he comes up calling my dad, Daddy, all the time. And so, uh, but why do we still call him that? Uh, I don't really know for sure. Now, I know for sure it is a term of endearment uh, and affection, but in our family, it's actually kind of a term of respect because my daddy called his daddy, Daddy. And it's kind of been passed down for generations. In scriptures, there's so many different names that we've had and we've looked at to describe God. While the names of God are so important 
in so many different ways. This name, Abba, that he combines with Father, and by the way, it's Abba, not Abba. That's a 70s popper. Don't confuse the two. Um, but Abba is one of the most significant names in understanding how God relates to his people. See, the, the word Abba is a word that kind of means father, but it's also a term that expressed affection and confidence and trust. It signifies a close, very close, intimate relationship of a father to his child, as well as the childlike trust that a young child puts in his father when he calls him daddy. But it's different than what we think of as daddy, and I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. It's actually more healthy, and it's more robust. Uh, but what does that mean? Let's find out today by looking at one verse, and we'll look at three points. Uh, we're going to talk about the name Abba. We're going to talk about the Abba of possibilities. And then we're going to talk about the Abba that knows best. Let's look at our first point, uh, the name Abba. And it says there simply, and Jesus said, Abba, Father. Now that my daughter is married, uh, Larissa and I, mostly Larissa, have been discussing names that might be options for us, for our grandchildren. Larissa wants me to be called Pop, which is fine, except she wants to be called Lolly, which, as you can quickly figure out, would make us Lollipop. I don't know about that. But names, names are interesting, right? When you think about who calls who, whom what. You hear, you hear strange ones all the time like that. But um, especially when you think in terms of grandparents or what people call their parents. If you've had a father that was in your life for any given time, what did you call him? Did you call him dad or daddy or pop or papa? And I still love hearing my 22-year-old daughter say, dad. It's music to my ears. But if the term dad becomes this throwaway term that she just uses because she wants something or she needs something, then it's going to become duller and duller. It's not going to mean the same thing. Meaning, if she ever uses the term dad or daddy to manipulate me as her daughter, it no longer becomes a, a term of affection, but it's a twisted use of the word. When Jesus is talking about the idea of Abba here, uh, it is a term of endearment and intimacy and close relationship on one hand, but our use of daddy as a translation of Abba may be too simple. See, the interesting thing about this term Abba that he's using there is actually what people in Jesus' day would call baby talk. It's not even daddy, really. It's like dada that he's saying here. So why would Jesus use this term as a grown man? Why would he use this term as the Son of God? Well, he's simplifying for us and for himself the relationship that he has with his Father, that we can all have a childlike relationship with God, like a little one coming to his or her Father in a pure and deep and trusting way. Jesus is modeling this relationship, and he's calling us to view our good Father in this way. This is the reason why we should all view God as Abba Father, because he made us. He's molding us like a father does, but, but he does so in such a way that it's so much closer than just what we vision as a God that's up there, much more personal even 
than what our earthly father may have done or could ever do. See, God our Father knows us more than we know ourselves. And he handcrafted our personalities before we were even twinkles in the thought of our parents' eyes. See, the term Abba Father, it's not just what we exclaim when we say, pray every week, our Father who art in heaven, or, or such as our Heavenly Father and Father God. It's part of it, but it's more than that. It's a little different. Abba Father, as conveyed through Jesus' perspective, reflects the knowledge of knowing that God knows us better than we know ourselves and that he's established a path for us before we can even take our first steps as human beings. But let's look at the next point here because in the next two points is where you're really going to get the full picture of this. We get the idea that it's the intimate, dada kind of childlike relationship. But let's look at point two here. It says the the uh, Abba of personalities, of possibilities, sorry. Verse 20, 36, he says this, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Let me give you a little backstory again with this verse. Jesus is about to be executed. He's heading to the cross. He's in a secret garden, pouring out his heart to the Father in conversation, in prayer, in anguish, and he's saying, Dad, I'm going to die. I will be executed. I will do this for you and everyone else, but are there any other options? Is there any other way? I see the torment that I'm about to go through, and with you, all things are possible. Is there another way? Think about it. When you state God, or when you state our Father in prayer, or you hear it in the sermon, you should realize and envision a Father that knows your greatest strengths and your greatest weaknesses, and those your beginning and those your end, and instead of forcing his will on you, he has worked in such a way in his sovereignty that he allows you to meet him in your own way with an intimacy that can only be felt through the creator and the created. This is what Jesus understood, and we should too. And that's what he wants us to understand. Recently, as many of you know, the Powerball lottery went over a billion dollars. And the numbers that they were throwing out there were crazy. The chances of you and I, no matter how many tickets we bought, really, the chances of winning were like mind-boggling of, of the odds there. But see, with God, he's even more infinite than that. So the possibilities of what he can do in our lives are infinite. God is our Father that's in control, but there's endless possibilities with him. Jesus said, with you, my Father, all things are possible. Jesus said, Dad, I'm looking for any other option that you might have because you are the God of possibilities. But all, are all the possibilities in our lives actually good options? Are they the best options? That brings us to our last point. Number three, the Abba that knows best. Jesus said, remove this cup from me. He's crying out, remove this cup from me. It's going to be horrible. But then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. There's a TV series in the 50s called Fathers Know Best, and you've probably heard of it or even seen a rerun of it before, or maybe even saw the original. I'm not asking if you did or you didn't. But I will say this, the sitcom was featuring this father named Jim. And Jim was this thoughtful and soft dad in some ways, uh, easy, approachable 
Uh, but he was also the type of father that offered sage advice to his children when, when they needed uh, his advice and in response to their problems. In this story today, Jesus is in a desperate time in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he draws alone to be in prayer. And he knows what he's about to face, extreme physical and psychological suffering on the cross. But yet, in the midst of all this, this is an intimate experience that he is having with his father, with his dad. He feels alone, but he's experiencing a deep and intimate moment with his father. But he is also acknowledging the father's authority here. He knows that God knows best. He says, I'm praying this out to you. I'm not apologizing for wanting to get out of this. I'm not apologizing for not wanting to endure this pain, but I'm also saying this, not my will, but yours. Sorry, I've got a signal in the back to speak up. Saying, not my will, but yours. I don't know about you, but growing up on a playground, we had this contraption called a tether ball. Have y'all ever, have ever had those in your playgrounds or know what they mean? It's this, it's this thing that they have, and I think it's just an excuse for poor schools like us that really didn't have that much equipment, so they just brought this thing out there. Uh, but anyway, it was a pole that was anchored in the ground or weighted on the ground, and at the end of it, you have this rope, and it has a ball at the end of it and you just beat the fool out of that ball, making it go round and round. And I, I never knew the rules to it. I just like getting out there and hitting the thing. But anyway, uh, you can hit the ball every which way, all over the place. But no matter what, that ball was still tethered, connected to that pole. Here's my point. No matter the, the options or the circumstances, no matter what the possibilities were, Jesus was tethered to his Father, in a relationship, in a way, with his father's plan, in a way that no one would ever could and no one ever would be able to undo. And the same is for us. When Jesus calls God, Abba Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is acknowledging the intimacy he has with his dad, his daddy, but he's also calling on his father, acknowledging the power of God and the greatness of God's plan that will come to him through his sacrifice on the cross. That's something I've missed before. I thought he just was repeating himself, Abba, Father, or explaining it. You know, it's two different things there. Daddy, but also authority, Father. See, Jesus is expressing humble admiration for his Father, as well as an intimate request that he's asking of the Father that he knew that he couldn't ask of anybody else. He's asking for God's will to be shown through his sacrifice, his willingness here, a request that he wouldn't ask of anyone. We're seeing deep intimacy on one hand and a willy obedience on the other. Like when we pray, we lay out all our requests, and we don't have to apologize for this. God wants us to bring these requests to him, whether or not we know it's his will or not. God, will you do this? Would you do this in my life? Could you make this happen? Would you save this person from torment right now or from myself? We lay it all out and then we say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The essence of Jesus' prayers, he begins with Abba, expressing the willingness then to obey. He was connecting intimately but also submissively to God. That's why he prayed that way. In another part of the Bible, the disciple Paul writes this. He says, For you did not receive a spirit 
that makes you a slave again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship. And by that we cry, Abba, Father. Look at our quote in the order of worship. And here's really the kicker here. It's a quote by Tim Keller. He says this, Jesus lost the sonship that he deserved so that we could get the sonship that we don't deserve. You may be struggling right now in this sermon, and, and maybe you have throughout the sermon, uh, about your view of God as Father, or maybe the whole Father thing in general. We don't know, and all of us had different experiences with our Father. What well, we know this, nobody had a perfect experience with our Father. We do know that. And as fathers, we haven't done everything perfectly. Maybe this whole Father thing uh, is bothering you a little bit. Maybe your relationship with your own Father may have been distant, or perhaps non-existent. Worse, maybe your own father may have sinned against you through harshness or lovelessness, or maybe like me, abandoned at birth, abandonment at any point, or perhaps even physical and sexual and emotional abuse as well. Here's the thing though, coming to terms with the shortcomings of our own fathers is essential to our psychological health. I would guess that the, 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 what we had there with the father-child relationship in Jesus' day was no less uh, as hard. Matter of fact, during Jesus' day, some fathers assumed it their legal right to beat their wives and their children. So why would Jesus teach so strongly, so intentionally about his father and about our father if the idea of father could be just seen as useless because of our own bad experience with our father? Why would Jesus risk it? by calling us to view God as our Father. Well, I would say two reasons here at the end. First of all, the father-son metaphor, better than any other, describes the relationship that Jesus had to God the Father. Jesus had such a magnificent relationship with his Father that he wanted to share that with us. And he was not about to give that up. And he, because he wants us to experience the same thing too. But I also believe this, that Jesus is trying to heal and bring wholeness to both men and women that have been wounded by their human fathers. Jesus is trying to help you and me know that there's a father that loves them and loves us and will not do us harm. A father that will not abuse, that will not abandon us, but is also there for us and will encircle in his arm, uh, encircle us in his arms and let him feel that love as he wraps around us around in his love. A father that will not let you go. See, Jesus wants to reintroduce you to the idea of real and authentic fatherhood today. To his father, to your father in heaven, so that you might be healthy and whole both spiritually and emotionally. We all need a good father. We know that. We crave that. We always had. And through Jesus' relationship with the Father and his death uh, and his life on the earth, he's calling you to reclaim your birthright today, to know and enjoy God, Abba, as your Father. Maybe that's why you're here today. Perhaps this is the beginning or maybe it's even the end of your quest for the Father that you never imagined you could have or ever dared to dream of, but always wanted. Or the Father that you've always wanted to be like. In God, the Father, 
your Abba today. Meditate on that. Think about that as we enter this time of receiving the Father's love at the table today. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we are overwhelmed by how good of a Father you are, but in so many ways our hearts almost can't believe it that a Father could be that good and that infinite and love us in a way that we've always wanted to be loved unconditionally. Heal our hearts. Bring us to you. Draw us close to you. Help us to feel that love today. Not just spiritually, but help us to feel that emotionally in our lives. We just pray for our congregation that we would be a family, but that we would also be a family that's under your headship through Jesus Christ and that we all would have a healthy view of who you are as our Father. Give us a bigger picture of that. Let us feel that love in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.